This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hemp's more profitable. It's, it's better for the earth, so they say. You can turn it over uh, more easily, and there's such a great demand for it as the demand the tobacco wanes, of course. So it's nice to see our farmers uh, getting getting some uh, great use of their land and still staying solvent and afloat. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. This is episode 56 and I am so excited that you are here. One of my favorite TV shows is The Booze Traveler on Travel Channel. Basically, they go around the country and around the world showcasing local drinks, local spirits, and really talking about kind of what all went into it, the history behind it. And it's really neat because you get to see that every culture kind of has its own take on alcohol. So it's just like food. Every culture, every nation out there has their own tradition, their own background on it. And it's such a cool show. And today we actually have the host of it, Jack Maxwell, on the show. And Jack's going to talk to us about his background, how he got started with Booze Traveler, and what his favorite drinks were and kind of the craziest drinks that he had on the show. And also his new project, which is called The High Road with Jack Maxwell. And it's all about the booming hemp industry. So he's going to tell us about why the hemp industry started booming a couple of years ago, what, um, what farmers are doing, what doctors are doing, and really kind of the whole basis of hemp in the U.S. So it's an awesome conversation. We will link all of Jack's social media accounts in the description. And if you want to watch our interview, which, you know, everybody's on Zoom right now because of quarantine, if you want to watch our interview, head over to our YouTube channel, just, you know, Farm Traveler on, on YouTube, and you can see the interview, which was so cool. And we actually... Have a toast at the end, so if you want to join in the toast, do that. And be sure to check out Jack on his social media accounts and his YouTube channel for um, The High Road. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Hope you have as much fun listening as I did interviewing Jack. This is a great episode. Again, this is episode 56 with Jack Maxwell. Hope you enjoy it. I am so excited. How have you been doing quarantine? I see you've been doing all these guitar things on your on your Instagram. Yeah, you know, I figured I would teach myself a new skill while I was locked inside. I, yeah. I shouldn't say locked inside. I'm not complaining. 
but I like to keep busy and try to stay creative. And of course, no television shows are filming right now, or very few anyway. So most of us who do that uh, are out of work, so to speak, like a lot of the rest of the country, of course. So I figured, you know, let me try to, let me try to teach myself this guitar. So when I was going through chemo, I bought myself a, a guitar that costs $69, and it gets out of tune easily, and I really don't know how to tune it. And I figured, let me, let me try to do this. And I, I started playing. I thought, oh, that might be fun, and maybe to post it. People were guessing what it was I was playing. Then I started having drawings where, you know, if uh, if I pick your name, like of all the correct entries, they go into a, a you know a big pot, so to speak, and I pick out a name, and that person and I we have a a video uh, cocktail together, and I do that once a week. So that's been fun for me, helping keep me sane. I bet it has been. That's such a cool idea, and I'm sure you're you're either curious or you know why you're on a podcast called Farm Traveler. So my wife and I love the show Booze Traveler and I have like an ag background and we were like, you know what, let's call it Farm Traveler just like Booze Traveler. Oh, well, thank you. I'm flattered. Yeah, no problem. So let's, I want to talk to you about Booze Traveler and about your new thing, the high road, which I think is really cool. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but tell us a little bit about your background, kind of where you're from and kind of how you got started doing the whole Booze Traveler thing. Sure. It's a story I've told many times because it's a very common question and a good one. I grew up in uh, South Boston, Massachusetts, otherwise known as Southie, mm-hmm. made famous or infamous, if you will, by uh, a few Hollywood movies. And uh, I'm just so proud of the city and, and the recognition uh, that it's got, uh, that, it, that it's, it has received. Yeah. Because it's a great, it was a great little place to grow up, although I grew up in the projects. And I certainly wouldn't recommend that for anyone. Uh, it was tough. You know, it was uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of trouble. Cops would come in here. <laughs> Every so often, like I mean a lot, but at the same time, it was always a great group of uh, a great pool of kids to, to play sports with, you know, whether it was street hockey or stickball or throwing the football around, pretending you were this player or that player, Bobby Orr or Kari Stremski or, you know, Larry Bird, but I was gone by then, Bill Russell, whoever. Yeah. But it was just, uh, it taught me a lot about socialization and uh, because we, we weren't the uh, I guess, uh, rich is a way, way to put it. Uh, we're pretty poor. I started shining shoes for spending money and uh, just charged 10 cents. That's how long ago it was. And then I bumped it up to a quarter. Nobody blinked an eye. And I thought, ah, I should have been doing this the whole time. And uh, you know, I'd go to these bar rooms in South Boston, which had seemingly as a kid, a bar, every other, you know, every other store or storefront was a bar, it seemed. And I uh, just hear these great stories, these guys having a few drinks and opening up. Unlike, you know, when they were on the street, they wouldn't open up like that. It was a real place of comfort for so many people. And uh, I'd hear great stories. And I thought, wow, there must be a connection to imbibing this, this thing they're calling alcohol <laughs> or beer, whiskey, whatever it was at the time, you know. It's nothing fancy, that's for sure. A lot of them were very blue-collar, divey-type places. And uh, when I grew up and I started acting, what have you, a little bit of hosting, but not really. And uh, I went on this audition and I thought, oh, this is, this is exactly what it was like when I was a kid. A couple of the drinks, some stories about traveling, going this place and that, learning about culture. I, I just thought it was a wonderful combination. And I was lucky enough to get the show. 
That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the more, the older I get and the more like I hang out with friends, we have some cocktails and drinks. It's like a free therapy session. Like not necessarily depending on how large your tab is, but you kind of get to know each other, which it kind of helps. Therapy can be expensive. It can be. Yeah, that's for sure. So what were some of the, we love watching your episodes. What were some of the craziest places that you went? I mean, I know you went to like Mongolia, the Pacific, you went basically all over the world. So what were some of the craziest places and some of the craziest drinks that you had? Sure. Well, uh, why don't I list maybe three or four of them, and you tell me what you think is the craziest. Okay, go for as it. As far as location, you know, it can be crazy anywhere at any time. You know, like Paris, you wouldn't think of that as a crazy city, you know, but the, uh, the Eiffel Tower, Champs-Élysées, it's all this history and everything else. Uh, yet, you know, the attack uh, in Paris, terrorism, whatever, I mean, anything could happen any time. Mm-hmm. So we always had our heads on a swivel. But at the same time, we really wanted to enjoy the culture and learn about it. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't uh, label a place crazy. I, I don't think that'd be fair. But I did have some crazy drinks for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Mongolia, since you brought it up, uh, we had fermented mare's milk. And uh, it was like it sounds, very pungent, very strong. Uh, and you had to drink three bowls of it in order to stay on their land because we would sleep on their land, which was just the land, really. They didn't have a title on it. They just get up, these nomads. They just move to wherever they think they should. They plant their stakes, so to speak, until they decide it's time to move again. So that was pretty bad. A lot of people bring that up. I bet. Uh, That that seems like it was the most, like, memorable drink on there that's so different than any other thing. Oh, yeah, it was definitely different for sure. (laughs) And and then I would say I had... uh, um, this is this is one that that people bring up a lot. Frog in a blender, I guess. I don't know the the, the Peruvian name for it, but uh, in a market in Peru, uh, they have you pick a frog and you slice it, or, or they slice it and uh, not slice it. They cut the throat and peel the skin off, and then throw the frog in a blender with a bunch of ingredients, and then you drink it. That's pretty wild. That is a little and, wild. And yeah, uh, what else? Oh, uh, spit beer in the Amazon, you know, the ladies of the village chew up this uh, this root and uh, spit it in a bowl and let it ferment. That's kind of crazy. Any of those uh, you think are crazy enough? Sure. I think all of those that you listed are some pretty unique drinks. It's so funny. Cow that blood. It, what blood? Cow. Oh, okay. That also sounds a little odd, but I mean. Maasai warriors, Tanzania. Okay. Uh, real strong moonshine. Zalgaris in Lithuania that was anywhere between 75 and 90% pure alcohol. Can't even fly with it. Can't bring it on the plane because it's so flammable. Oh, I can imagine. That's probably a smart idea not to bring it on the plane. (laughs) It's so, did you find it cool that all these different cultures, no matter where you went, kind of had their own take on alcohol and their own kind of history behind it? Because I feel like it's one of those things where it kind of transcends time and place. I mean, wherever you go, they usually have like a, a local drink or some sort of local alcohol tradition, kind of. Yeah, no, I love that. I think alcohol probably sprung up relatively uh, equally around the world. I think every culture has found a way to make alcohol out of something. It's not as if one culture invented it and brought it all around. Certainly distilling uh, was first invented in the Middle East uh, by the Arab culture, and, uh, and they brought it wherever they wherever they wherever they went. I guess um, wine 
you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty simple. But I, I, I think that in places that are remote where people didn't visit, they just found a way to do it. And it's very important to so many cultures because it connects you with yourself and your ancestors. And, uh, you know, I think it's called spirits for a reason, at least in English. And there's just a connection between the divine and the earthly uh, when you have a few drinks, or at least you think so. It expands uh, the way you think because it loosens you up. And this, I'm not advocating for excessive alcohol use. I'm just saying there's got to be a reason people invented it pretty much all at the same time, relatively speaking anyway. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it kind of takes the edge off, kind of makes it more comfortable and kind of more vulnerable, I guess. Uh, now I going, so. Yeah, exactly. Now, going off of some of the drinks, so my wife and I are honeymoon. We actually went to Bora Bora, and I never oh. – that, that was the first trip out of the country, and we had watched some of your episodes before. And so we looked and looked for Tahiti drink, and we couldn't find it until we're literally in the airport about to go home, and our flight gets delayed, and we find it in the duty-free shop, and we buy this, like, big old carton of it. And, of course, we can't take it on the plane, so we just start drinking it. And it was strong. <laughs> it tasted like a spiked Sunny D. It was really, really good, though. Oh, sure. Wow. The first place you went out of the United States of America was Bora Bora. It was Bora Bora. Yeah. I mentioned it to her like before we got engaged, like, hey, maybe we could go to Bora Bora. And she was like, I'm going to hold you to it. And so we went and it was fun. We, we went during the rainy season. So we only had like a full day of sun, but it was still so cool to be there in like literally the middle of the Pacific Ocean, just surrounded by one sure. little volcano and all these little huts and the Tahiti drink and the Hinanu gold that we got too. It was a really fun time. You delivered on your promise. I did. Yeah, luckily. And then another place we traveled was Ireland and we went to the whole Guinness factory. Uh, and I heard people say that Guinness tastes totally different over there. We went there, tried it and we were like, Oh my goodness, it is thick. It is like a soup over there. So that is definitely a thing. As, as a friend of mine says, there's a pork chop in every pint. <laughs> I like that. That makes sense because it's so chewy. It's like a meal, right? It is. One of the bars we went there, I can't remember the name of it, but it had like painted on the side of the bar that it was founded in 1189 AD. And I was like, this bar is older than the United States. This is just wow. crazy. Yeah, I know that the big tourist bar in Dublin is the Temple Bar. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't know uh, where else you might have gone. I know that in England, we went to uh, uh, a bar that was the oldest. Uh, I think in Europe, I'm not sure, but really, uh, really fascinating stuff. It's a fun trip, huh? It is. It was a fun trip. Yeah, we did, you know, we did the Guinness factory tour and we did the Jameson factory tour, which the Jameson tour was really cool. It was like really educational how they show you how they make the whiskey and, all, and the scotch and all that stuff. So that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. What about, are you a fan of speakeasies? I secretly love speakeasies, just the atmosphere oh, yeah. of them. They're so fun. Love them. There was one in Argentina, uh, in Buenos Aires, that was a, uh, a flower shop. You go in and then you go into the freezer where the flowers might be. Uh, there's one in, but uh, then that was a blast. Really good one. Really nice speakeasy too. There's a place in LA called Break Room 86. You go through the back door of this hotel down this uh, brightly lit corridor with white linoleum floor. And then you open the vending machine and go inside there. What? Great room. All about the 80s. There's several rooms actually. Really fun. I just love speech. So many. I, 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 could, I couldn't name them all. There's really great ones, though. There's one in Denver that's an ice cream store, and you uh -huh. go in and boom. Uh, there's one that looks like a little bookstore, and uh, you just, you know, you put your, your name in, the hand grabs it, and then it opens up. Really cool. 
That's I love awesome. it because it adds to the experience. It's not just about the alcohol, the content, although I'm a fan of mixology because it's the beautiful blend of science and art. But, but when they can make it interesting and fun and exciting, that enhances the experience, to me anyway. I mean, you can't do that with a salad, right? You wouldn't oh, yeah. do that with a carrot. It doesn't, doesn't, with all due respect to the ag people like yourself <laughs> out there. But, you know, to, there's a place in Athens called Momix, which is short for molecular mixology. One of the most fascinating places I've gone to. If you watch the, uh, the Grease episode of Booze Travel, you see what I'm talking about. But that was really fun for me, finding these little hidden nuggets, whether they were speakeasies or not. But I've always loved a good speakeasy. Yeah, they're so fun. We always try to find one. And we went to Savannah about a year ago. And we, oh, yeah. we had... The we, Pirate's we, House? Do what? The Pirate's House? Is it on the river? Like right on the river? Uh, boy, I can't remember. I think so. It's, the, it's just called the Pirate House or the Pirate's House. Okay. And uh, the idea is uh, Blackbeard haunts the place. So it's oh. kind of fun. I don't yeah. know if it's exactly right on the water. But anyway, some great places. Not a speakeasy, but fun. Okay, yeah, we tried to look for, we put it in the Google Maps and we drove there and we were looking around for it. Then all of a sudden, out of this random door, this drunk lady stumbles out and we're like, hey, is this a speakeasy? She's like, yeah, follow me. She helps us get in there and it was so fun. And they, they have jazz playing. They're all in like, the, the bartenders are all in like fancy suits looking like it's prohibition. It was such a cool oh, experience. Oh, sure. It was so cool. Oh, that's great. I love that because downstairs at the Pirate's House, it, uh, it, they used to t take drunk um, patrons and there was a hole in the brick wall and they would, walk them out the hole onto the ship and bring them to supposedly China, hence the term Shanghai. And oh. that's, they would conscript pirates. Not everybody would sign up. It's not like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, this is going to be fun. We'll chase <laughs> people and we'll plunder and we'll pillage and we'll have lots of gold and lots of fun and lots of whiskey. It wasn't like that. So that's how a lot of them became pirates. I bet. That's so cool. And little old Savannah. That's crazy. So. Yeah. So you mentioned ag and I, I love learning about um, like, like making alcohol and stuff like that because it's such a niche in the ag industry. So what were some things that you learned about alcohol production that maybe you didn't learn before? I mean, you learned how. Oh, so much. So you know, it? for the most part, alcohol is made from either grains, as you know, uh, fruit, herbs, um, you know, but in Mongolia, as I've said many times, uh, not a lot of that grows. So they made it from camel's milk or mare's milk. So I learned that people can be very creative <laughs> when they want to drink. But just the different aquavits and how you can make it, you know, all these things from uh, carrots and blackberries and turnips, you know, I mean, which didn't have a great flavor to me. But it was, it's not really about the flavor, is it? It's about the experience. Uh, how to how to homebrew beer and 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 all the different great moonshine tactics. Uh, I learned so much and some long-standing traditions like at the Macallan Estate, how they do what they do, or Unicum in Hungary. You know, it's just that uh, they've been around forever and all the different herbs they put in. Of course, they wouldn't tell me because it's a secret, but I got to see most of the process anyway. There you go. That's awesome. Have you experimented with homebrewing at all? I have not, but I learned if I ever wanted to, I have a, I have a step up now as opposed to before, which I had no uh, no interest in uh, or no experience with before. I, I'm usually on the other side of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. As far as making it and all that, I'll make it for myself and friends, uh, cocktails or whatever. But as far as going through all that, 
too many of you know how to do it way better than I ever would. So <laughs> I'll let you do it and I'll drink it. There you go. Leave it to the experts and you can drink it. There you go. That's pretty good. So, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit about your, your new thing, which is the high road. I'm excited to learn about it, to see what's going on because I mean, the hemp industry and CBD industry is booming right now. So what sure. kind of got you started doing that? And what's the whole process behind the high road? Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of those sharp left turns that life throws you every once in a while. I was doing booze trap, as you know, as you talked about. And uh, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then the next year I went into chemo. And then uh, we didn't do the show anymore. And I, uh, one of the side effects was I couldn't sleep. Someone recommended CBD. I started trying that and I thought, well, it works. You know, I bet there are a lot of stories out there. And then I tried full spectrum CBD, THC, just tinctures. And uh, I, I know that I was blind to the benefits of it. And because so many people were against it and still are, but thankfully hearts and minds are changing. And so I, I thought I'd, you know, travel around and get stories from people who had similar tales to tell about how maybe it helped them and how they were dead set against it or just didn't know about it and uh, really how the culture towards that is changing. So that's where we came up with the high road uh, with Jack Maxwell is the, is the full name of it. And there's a, uh, a YouTube channel. So that'll uh, a website and a channel and you can watch the episodes there and they're coming soon. They'll be on, on our YouTube channel. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because I met some fascinating people with really great stories to tell. I mean, there are people who swore they would never try what they called marijuana or reefer or pot or Mary Jane, all these old school names for it. And then when they started learning about the CBD aspect of it, as we all know, cannabis grows two ways, or as most of us know, I guess, uh, cannabis grows as either hemp or marijuana. And what the distinction is, hemp has less than 0.03% uh, THC and marijuana has that amount or more. So it becomes that, right? And supposedly, you can't tell the difference with the naked eye, although uh, some people swear they can. And, uh, and then that's it. So CBD does not get you high. There are no sac uh, psychoactive ingredients. Uh, and someone explained it to me this way. Think of it as hemp or CBD is relaxing for the body, anti-inflammatory, uh, good for migraines, headaches, what have you. Whatever it is, it's for the body. And THC or marijuana is uh, more affects the head or the mind, or the brain, or however you want to say it. So I learned so much. What an education. And I understood that I really came to the conclusion we were lied to back in the day. Of course, I wasn't alive then, but 1937, when it was put on the prohibited list, uh, it was really for economic and political reasons. And unfortunately, uh, racist reasons more than anything else, really. And then in 1970, Richard Nixon wanted to uh, make his mark as the law and order president. So he classified it uh, right up there with heroin. I mean, as a class one drug, which it never should have been. But now we're understanding that CBD can be extracted if you don't like marijuana or you don't want to get higher or you think it's bad or whatever. Um, you could just use the CBD part of it. It's more effective, I'm told, full spectrum, which is mostly CBD and some THC, but there's a lot of nuances. But some people who swore they never would try it uh, were on it and taking it and how much it helped them. And it was really great because the commonality was, wow, I can't believe I've gone this long in pain 
or with this affliction or that, and I could have been getting relief. Now, this is all anecdotal. I'm not saying there's scientific proof, although I believe there is. But these people telling me their stories, and they didn't talk to each other. There's no conspiracy. They wanted, you know, I mean, if you get benefits from it, there's got to be something to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's so great because, I mean, this is just a natural product and it can help so much more as opposed to getting like prescription drugs that a lot of people abuse. And this is something that can naturally help you with a bunch of stuff, whether it's high blood pressure or, or dealing with chemo or anything like that. Sure, I agree. I mean, and I didn't smoke. I still don't. Uh, marijuana bef before this uh, for, m for multiple reasons. But I'm all for the medicinal side of it. Oh, recreation. If you want to use it, that, that's totally up to you. But I, I think we were blinded to the benefits and now people are opening their eyes and basically that's what it's about. It's about being able to take the high road, be, being able to make that choice to say, hmm, okay, this is what it was classified as before, but we really know it's this and it brings so much relief to so many people. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. That's awesome. And so... I mean, you kind of mentioned it in your in the YouTube video for this in the trailer, which we'll link for this podcast, and that kind of the farm bill is what really helped this, and that's why hemp started booming. And I know so many farmers that they either switched their operation to growing hemp, or now they're just growing hemp um, as a part of their crops. And so, sure. what, what were some things? Yeah, I saw that in Kentucky. Farm? You know, big big tobacco land over there, right? Yeah. And a lot of them are switching it up because hemp's more profitable. It's it's better for the earth, so they say. You can turn it over. Uh, more easily and there's such a great demand for it as the demand for tobacco wanes of course so it's nice to see our farmers uh, getting getting some uh, great use of their land it's still staying solvent and, af and afloat because we need farmers you know, yeah. and they uh, they work so hard it's such, such demanding work I'm glad that farm bill passed there were two of them actually but the last one is uh, was late uh, 2018 I believe and for them to be able to say, okay, now we can do this. But just hemp. Kentucky's one of the states that uh, there's, there's no usage, as of now anyway, for so-called, for the marijuana side of it. But hemp is legal. Uh, the Farm Bill, what that did was, in a nutshell, it removed the prohibition that, uh, that was on hemp uh, federally. So you, I guess you can say that it didn't legalize it, using technical terms. But... Uh, they, they did remove the prohibition that was placed on it. So now hemp is legal everywhere. The, herein lies the rub. There have been many instances where law enforcement will see a truckload or, or whatever amount of hemp and not sure what it is. And they've confiscated these trucks and, you know, they've hurt a lot of people because they're trying to do their jobs, I guess, right? And and they, oh this is uh, this is someone smuggling drugs marijuana, and it and it turns out to be hemp for the most part. So you got to figure something out. But I know we're trying. At least I hope so. Yeah, kind of in the the beginning stages of getting everybody used to it and kind of getting everybody on board. So what did the production of it look like? I know basically you take like a hemp plant and you kind of crush it to get the oil out. So what did that whole process look like if you've seen it? Yeah, it's really hard to explain the whole process, and it's certainly technical and scientific. <laughs> And it might be too much uh, inside baseball, but I know it's going to be at least in one of the episodes that we release, if not, if not more, because it's a very important part of it. And it's so creative how they do it with ethanol, the butane, and everything else. It's uh, it, it was fascinating to me because it's a whole new process about something I knew very little about. 
I bet. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been trying to get some more hemp producers on the show to kind of see the background on it. But I mean, they're so busy because the industry is booming right now. So hopefully they'll be on eventually. So we'll see. So, I mean, with this project, you're wanting to not only inform people, but also kind of change the stigma behind like CBD and hemp and all that stuff. Is that kind of your goal with this new show? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm looking to change the stigma because that would be uh, me advocating for it and I'm not the only thing I'm advocating for is being open-minded that's smart that's smart especially to teach yourself education is key now when I said earlier I expressed my opinion that we were misled back in the day about what it is now I think a majority of the people agree with me but 10 15 20 years ago I didn't I didn't hold that position because I was uninformed so if I'm if I'm advocating for anything it's that do the research. Listen to the people who are getting benefits from it. And I'm not painting it as some magic cure or balm or lotion or tincture or potion, nothing like that. I'm just saying as part of learning about anything, this great, big, entire, wonderful world we live in, let's, you know, let's figure out why we're being manipulated, get some history behind it, and maybe you can put away the other medicines. And I'm not suggesting that, but a lot of people on the show have. We had a vet, a Marine vet, who, I mean, just about gave his life in service to his country. He broke his back and he was on painkiller, uh, uh, antidepressant, and sleeping medication all at once. And that's a prescription when you combine those uh, for suicide in many cases, or at least in his case, he said he was having suicidal thoughts. And then somebody turned him on the CBD, marijuana, and he wasn't a, a user before, and he was able to wean himself off of all of those drugs. Now, is that just one scenario? We got many like that. So I'm advocating for at least being open-minded to the possibilities because life can be better, hence the high road. I like that. That's a good little spiel. I can tell you're very passionate about it. And that's awesome. Cause I, oh, sure. I, yeah, I feel like in today's age, I mean, not everybody's open-minded, but I mean, it's so key and understanding like key issues. I mean, this might not be affecting you, but it's impacting, impacting somebody else. So you need to pay attention. And like you said, do the research and just kind of be open-minded to it. I think so. That's awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, how's your, how's your cancer treatment going? That's fine. You know, for the most part I'm done, I would say. I, uh, I did four months of uh, intense chemo only, no radiation, uh, a while back. And then I just finished two years of maintenance chemo. So I'm good now. Everything's all done. That's so good. Far, knock on wood. I'm doing all right. Hey, knock on wood. Well, congratulations. Yeah, we know how that struggle is. My wife's mom had cancer and then my mom had cancer like back to back. But luckily, they're both good in remission. So we know how hard of a battle that is. So all the credit to you. Good job. Well, best of luck to both of them. Well, thank you. Well, Jack, man, this has been awesome. Touch, touching base with you, learning about the high road and booze traveler. Um, so I have one of my favorite craft beers. It's Florida Cracker from um, um, Cigar City Brewing in Tampa. And I want to do a toast. I know you're all about toast on the show. What's one of your, your favorite, most memorable toasts that you have on there? Oh, wow. So many really great ones. I mean, there's a million ways to say cheers. Some cultures have several ways to say it. Uh, but the, but the toasts that have been the most impactful on me were either personal experiences before the show even started or uh, things I, I, I was taught by, by the people of the cultures of the world that uh, would have us in and say certain things. 
many of which I can't remember because they were different languages. But I do remember one. And, uh, you know, this one comes from my great grandmother. Mm. When I was a little kid, she would have her Irish whiskey because she was a beautiful, short little Irish woman. And she was old when I was a little kid. You know, she lived to 101, too. Oh, and wow. she would have her Irish whiskey, and I would have uh, generally seven up. But I would crack the can, you know, the old pull tab that you'd have to throw away. It didn't stay right there. And I'd let it sit out. I would pour it because even the bubbles hurt my throat. I was so young. But she had these wonderful, brilliant, intelligent, and insightful Irish sayings. And this one became a toast. Now, I'm sure she didn't make it up, but maybe she did. So we'll do this, okay? All right. And uh, forgive me for the Irish accent, but it just <laughs> has to be done that way. For the poor Irish accent, I should say. All right, she would say, Jackie, if you want to be happy for a day, get drunk. If you want to be happy for a while, get married. Mm. But if you want to be happy for all time, Jackie, have good friends. Here's the friends, man. Here's the friends. I like it. So much. Yeah, sometimes the most personal toasts are the best. I like that. Well, Jack, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being on. Um, I can't wait to see more songs you do on YouTube and to watch The High Road. Thanks so much. Um, best of luck in the future, man. Thank you. Yeah, if anyone's interested in any of that, you can find me at Southie Jack. That's my Instagram and Twitter handle, same one. S-O-U-T-H-I-E-J-A-C-K. I have my own YouTube channel. Uh, just look up Jack Maxwell channel and you see my face and you can follow all those things there except for the high road. That has its own uh, special YouTube channel. You can go to that as well. So uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll link all that stuff below in our description. And thanks, Jack. Have Thank a good you. one, man. You too.